Paul saw the suffering that he encountered simply because of following Jesus Christ as his assignment. That is very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. This is Bible Discovery TV, where we go through the Bible from beginning to end. And we're starting in, we started in Genesis 1 and January 1, but we're ending in Revelation. Very interesting. We're going to go all the way up to 22. It's very, very good. Now, Corey is here. What's going on? Well, 1 Thessalonians was written to Christians who lived in Thessalonica. So that is exactly what we're looking at today. Ryan? My segment today attempts to answer this question. Is the devil tied up or is he free to roam? Because certain passages seem to say that he is tied up while others say he roams around. Yeah, that's a really good question. And we'll talk about that later. Janice, what did you do? It's our fun Friday wrap up. It's Friday again. So I'm gonna choose a question anywhere between Ephesians chapter three to 1 Thessalonians chapter three. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For, in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It is the 3rd of December and 1 Thessalonians 1 to 3. That's our reading today as we go through the Bible. It gets very exciting. We're getting closer and closer to the end because we're going to start over again next year. Very, very good. Now, there were many times when Jesus spoke to his disciples, telling them not to fear or to be afraid. That message of Christ was not only for his disciples in those days at that time, but it was also for every disciple in the future. God tells us not to be afraid, even when we are persecuted for our faith. It is possible to not act and react in fear through God's strength and God's mercy. Early in his life, when he was known as Saul, Paul was a 
a chief persecutor of the early church. He truly thought that he was doing God's work. But when he encountered God or Jesus Christ, then everything changed. And from his New Testament writings, it seems that Paul struggled with guilt. Now, guilt can be a healthy part of our conscience and a tool used by God to show us the truth about our actions. However, there is also an unhealthy side to guilt. Now, the enemy of our soul would like us to consistently be plagued with guilt, have us deem ourselves as unforgivable or worthless to God. Now, this thinking would have us reject the power of God to forgive. Reject the power of God to forgive. Now, it's dangerous to our spiritual health and mission when we allow our minds to think purely and only in human terms. Because remember that our minds are focused in such a way, they tend to focus on human things, but we have to work to remember we are also godly. There is a part of our lives that is spiritually, and God has his hand on us through the Holy Spirit to teach us and to show us things. Now, people don't recognize that who don't know the Lord. But uh, if we know the Lord, we have to remember that because God tells us that in 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. So today, we are not afraid. No, we're not. We're going to look at Thessalonians 3, 1 to 10. And last year, we read 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2. But this year, we're focusing on 10 verses in chapter 3. And Father, I pray today that you would help us to see your work. Help us to understand your word. Lord, in Jesus' name, show us how you taught us so that we can hear it and we can apply it. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, every one of us, amen. Now, amen is a word that means make it so. Make it so. All right, very good. Let's focus now on 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 to 3. Here is what the scripture says. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens, Paul says, alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, that's important, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. No one. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Appointed? Are you serious? Yes. Paul saw his suffering for Christ as appointed to him by God. <laughs> that is amazing. God not only knows everything in the past, he knows everything in the present, and he knows everything in the future, but he is Lord over all. God knows everything, and yet he is still Lord over all. You know, God... This is amazing. When we pray, we come to the Lord and we recognize, you know everything, Lord, but I'm going to say it. And as I say it, Father, your Holy Spirit, correct me and help me as I say it, because you know what I'm going to say, but teach me emotionally in every other way your strength and show me your mercy. And so as we pray, it becomes aligning ourselves with where God is at. So when we pray, we say, Lord, I want to pray today Align my thinking with yours. Align my thinking with yours. That's how we gain the mind of Christ. It becomes very, very important. 
Now, let's read on because this is interesting, four and five. For in fact, we are told, in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. He knew that just as it happened and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Okay, now this is important. Paul was concerned about the Thessalonians as they faced suffering. Now remember this, suffering for our faith in Christ is an amazing way we become closer to God. I want to tell you something. I have not suffered like our friends in the persecuted church in China, or even those in India and many of those in Nigeria, beloved. But I want to tell you something. When we begin to suffer for Jesus Christ, we begin to learn that the world doesn't go with us on everything. But we have gone over here and we've followed God. The world is following another God. And as we learn that, we understand that, yes, Lord, we have to make a decision every day. And the world makes one decision, but we have to make a different decision. But Jesus Christ in John 17 prayed for the people. Didn't pray for the world that it would succeed, but prayed for the people. And so let's remember that because that's a decision we have to make. Six through 10, let's go back. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, affliction and distress, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord, for what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly. There it is again. He always prays, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now, I want to tell you, this is fascinating. God will help us if we endure. Our best life will not come in this world, but it will come in the world to, to, to still to come. I need to tell you that things we suffer in this life, whether that's physical affliction, whether that's affliction by others on us, that affects us in eternity. And we must thank God for all of the afflictions because Thank you, Lord, for helping me to get through this. That doesn't mean that we take the disease and own the disease. It's not disease is not ours. Our bodies were not made for disease. But at the same time, we have to go through it. So help us, Lord, to go through it and teach the doctors everything that, that we can about Jesus Christ. And if you take me as a result of this affliction, I'll be with you. But that's how we approach it, beloved. That's how we need to pay attention to this because the Lord is showing us and teaching us for our future. And our future, of course, is forever. In fact, our future is in eternity according to the Word of God, according to the Bible. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting, it's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. 
And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and today's reading is 1 Thessalonians chapters 1 to 3. And my specific focus today is on 1 Thessalonians 2.18, in which Paul says to the Thessalonian believers, Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. And you know, this verse actually brings up an important question related to Satan's status. Specifically, is he currently tied up, or is he free to roam? Because passages like 2 Peter 2.4 and Jude verse 6 seem to say that Satan is currently tied up. But passages like this one and 1 Thessalonians and also in Job 1.7, Job 2.2 and 1 Peter 5.8 indicate that Satan is indeed free to roam. So which is it? Well, let's study the relevant passages very carefully. From the very beginning, the father of lies has worked very hard to sow seeds of doubt within the hearts and minds of mankind regarding God's perfect words. As a result, today we live in what is undoubtedly the most skeptical and cynical age of all time. In fact, following in their father's footsteps, skeptics and cynics have even produced a Bible of their own, the Skeptics Annotated Bible. However, just as Satan's words were utterly empty and false in Eden, so they are today as well. As an example, consider just one of the erroneous accusations brought against the perfect Word of God. Claim is made that the Bible is in contradiction over Satan's current influence and status. For instance, when God asks Satan in Job 1.7 and 2.2 where he has come from, he responds, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Similarly, in 1 Peter 5.8, the Apostle of Christ warns believers to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Yet this same Peter in his second epistle, chapter 2 verse 4, as well as Jesus' own brother Jude in Jude verse 6, both affirm that God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Based upon these verses, the question arises, is the devil tied up, or is he free to roam? Actually, to pit these passages against each other is unwise, because it is unclear as to what angels and to which sin 2 Peter 2.4 and Jude 1.6 are referring. Although the skeptic has assumed that these passages are pertaining to the initial rebellion and fall of Satan and his demons, Peter and Jude simply do not say. In fact, many Bible scholars believe that the angels spoken of here are actually the group specifically involved with the Nephilim rebellion of Genesis chapter 6, just prior to the flood. The context of 2 Peter 2 and Jude do seem to place these angels in context with the time of Noah. In any case, whether this is the particular group of angels Peter and Jude are referring to or not, we do know from other Bible passages that not all the demons are bound in this dark abyss awaiting final judgment. Many of them, including Satan, do roam the heavens and earth. In fact, some of the demons who encountered Jesus begged him not to send them there because they feared going to that place. Thus, for the time being, Satan and those demons that have not been banished are free to roam, and no biblical passage denies that fact. Truly, as Proverbs 30 proclaims, every word of God is pure, and anyone who claims otherwise will be, like the devil, found to be a liar. 
So to pit these sets of passages against each other isn't wise for the reasons that we just discussed. But let me just say that even if these passages in 2 Peter and Jude are referring to Satan and his entire force of fallen angels being in everlasting chains, there still is no issue. For example, as renowned Bible scholar Dr. John Gill explained, everlasting chains could be referring to the power and providence of God over them, meaning that they're in an imprisoned state whereby they are not their own lords and cannot do as they would. They are under restraints and in chains and not to be feared. Of course, we know the ultimate outcome of all such dark forces. Jesus Christ will cast Satan and all his demons and followers into the lake of fire, according to Revelation 20.10. Do yourself a favor and make sure you're on the right side of Christ when that takes place. When you mention the chains, I, I find that fascinating because Paul says that too. Uh, when he's in prison, he says, remember my chains. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's telling the people to pray for him. And so that is all relevant. And John later around 90 uh, AD, when he seems to have this vision, uh, seems to suggest that he is referring to the chains around him. Remember that, that John in Revelation also is giving the vision of Revelation and talking about that. So it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And we yes. need to remember we're reading the New Testament times but that does not take away from what it's saying, mm -hmm. because what it says is truthful. And we need to pay attention to that. Very good, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Corey. All right. Well, because we are beginning our study in 1 Thessalonians and over the weekend, our reading is also going to take us into 2 Thessalonians. I wanted to take this time to introduce you to the place Thessalonica. Paul had this place obviously in mind when he wrote Thessalonians. It was a letter to the Christians who lived here. So let's take a look at some of the history and the archaeology of Thessalonica. The ancient city of Thessalonica was an important seaport in the area of Macedonia. It was originally named after the sister of Alexander the Great and was located at the crossroads of four major highways. In 146 BC, when Macedonia was made into a Roman province, Thessalonica was named as its capital city. The city then gained even more prominence in 42 BC by helping Mark Anthony and Octavian defeat the remaining assassins of Julius Caesar. In the first century AD, the Book of Acts records a visit to Thessalonica by the Apostle Paul. This first century city is estimated to have had a population of around 100,000. Later in the New Testament, the Bible preserves letters written to believers living in Thessalonica that Paul authored. Today, they're called the biblical books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Archaeological remains are hard to come by at Thessalonica due to the city still being actively occupied. However, a massive 70 by 110 yard paved Roman style forum has been uncovered dating from the first and second centuries AD. Also, it is known that a first century AD Roman archway called the Vandar Arch survived in Thessalonica until 1867 when it was finally taken down. Today, an inscription from the archway survives in the British Museum. This inscription itself actually helped cleared up some controversy regarding the accuracy of the New Testament. In Acts chapter 17, the author, Luke, 
mentions the city officials of Thessalonica using a previously unknown and unattested to Greek word. It just so happened that the inscription on the destroyed archway also refers to officials of Thessalonica using that exact Greek term. Now, this was a pretty quick introduction to some of the history of Thessalonica, but the more you get into these individual places that Paul was writing to, it becomes really clear as you're reading through these letters of his that he really did utilize his knowledge of the area, his knowledge of the culture in order to communicate to the people there. So he uses different analogies in um, Thessalonians that he does in Colossians, that he does in Corinthians, that he does in Ephesians. It goes for all of the letters. And it's a really interesting pattern to trace with Paul because he's really connecting with the people that he knows, with the culture that he understands, uh, and I think it serves as, um, you know, a, a pretty good example to us that we need to know who it is that we're speaking to. We need to know who it is that we're witnessing to. Um, you know, that's how you develop relationship. That's how you develop friendship is trying to communicate to people in a way that they will understand. Absolutely. Very good, Corey. Thank you. Now, Church 365 is a program we have here, not a television program, but it's a way that those people who desire to learn more about the Bible, even more than our Bible guide, you get the digital Bible guide and all the digital helps that come with it. And Church 365 is excellent. There's a lot of material you guys provide for it and I provide for it, we provide for it. So just think about that. And when you go to the website, check it out and uh, you can discover what's going on. Church 365. Corey, what do you do this weekend? All right. Well, every single Saturday this year, I have uploaded a chapter by chapter recap video. So we we're reading through the Bible this year. We have assigned reading in our Bible guide and on the program. And I know that sometimes it's easy to fall behind in your reading and feel overwhelmed with the amount of reading that you have to do to catch up. So that's why I upload videos onto my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Corey Babechko, and uh, I try to get you caught back up every week so that you can start fresh and not feel overwhelmed being behind. Yeah, and we're also we've also got you on the Roku channel, uh, so I'm very excited about that, and on the web on the uh, phone apps. So check out your phone apps, Janice. Well. It's our question time on a Friday. We've got lots of time, so that's good. You can open up your Bible. It can be an open book test, although Ryan and Corey don't have the luxury of, of being able to do that your, quickly. Your iPad has got no, to be. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's because I know how that works. I notes. can see it. Yes. Just I have notes. one too. Anyway, <laughs> so you can't look at the Bible on your iPad. Okay. Fair right. enough. It's and very important. We have a lot of you at home that, that, um, really love to join along with us to do this. And uh, oftentimes I'll get texts from people say, I got it right today, or I missed it. Um, and, and a lot of times I read your letters. And, and um, so thank you for, for learning along with us. It's all good. All right, so I could choose a question anywhere from Ephesians chapter three to First Thessalonians chapter three. Here it is. When Paul was speaking to the believers in Philippi, he declared that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee, and said he was from the tribe of, was he from the tribe of Benjamin, Judah, or Dan? Now take a moment at home, and if you don't know, then look it up. Where was he from? And I'll the tell tribe you. of Benjamin, Judah, 
or Dan? I'll tell you, you, know, you guys know the answer. Mm -hmm. We do. Yeah. And I'll tell you a good way to memorize this is to just remember where Saul was, or uh, yeah, where Saul was from, uh, because it's a very, and go back to Deuteronomy, you can remember <laughs> all of the trouble they had there. Anyway, uh, go ahead. So your answer, what do you, what do you think? Go ahead, Ryan. It's going to be the Benjamite. He was a Benjamite. He was. Yeah. And if you said that at home, that he was from the tribe of Benjamin, you are absolutely right. We can learn that from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 5, where it says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. One of the things that, that you have to remember is Paul seemed to struggle because he persecuted the church when he was... Saul. Mm -hmm. And God changed his name to Paul. Well, I say God changed his name, but they began to refer to him as Paul. And, and he was somebody who really took this personally because it was Jesus Christ who said to him, why are you persecuting me? That was the question that the Lord Jesus Christ asked him. So he, he persecutes himself. And I, and I cannot imagine what it was like when Paul finally was martyred in Rome. And when he came to God, he did not feel worthy because he persecuted the church. And then he becomes one of the greatest apostles to the church. And I cannot imagine what it would be like to see the people that, uh, that you killed ready to greet you and greeting you with hugs. I mean, this, this, this is amazing and it's stunning. And that idea is in Paul the movie, by the way, the directors and the producer of Paul the movie. Excellent job. <laughs> uh, I've seen that movie several times and I love that. Anyway, but it, it just reminds us that God forgives us more than we can imagine. In fact, it says that God is bigger than our heart and he forgives our hearts. And so we need to remember that. So keep in mind, if you think you've gone too far, or you've done too much, you haven't. God loves you and he's given his life for you. And if you just come to Jesus and give yourself to him, he will come into your heart and he will change the way things are. If he can change Saul's heart, who became Paul, he can change your heart. What a story and what an amazing, Paul the movie, you gotta see it. Uh, go see it. God specializes in taking broken, dirty things and making them and restoring them as new. Are you afraid? Well, you don't have to be afraid and you can join us and we can pray together at 3.30 on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, New York time or the Eastern Standard Time because that's what we do on Facebook and YouTube. Join us at Bible Discovery TV, very important. Today we need to pray. And let's pray this way, Lord, I believe that you are working in my life. Whatever happens to me, I trust in your work to make it right.